When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Yeah, I mean, I think we're ready. I mean, obviously we got, you know, go through uh, a lot of stuff tomorrow. Um, but uh, I think we're ready. Yeah. Have you started installing any of that? Anything you want to see? Not installing, but like working on things specific. We had, yeah, we had practice yesterday, and we were working on some stuff. Um, you know, and uh, we will. We, we talked about some things tonight, and we also, you know, we'll work on some things tomorrow. So yeah, we've been having fortunate to have that little bit of a, a runway. Like, have you guys uh, have you guys started planning for you know one of the biggest games in the last twenty years of Timberwolves <laughs> basketball? He's like, I just got a three year extension that uh, is going to make generations of Finches very very happy. <laughs> I don't care what happens, quite frankly. I could listen to him talk all day, and I'm not quite sure why. It's He's just the just most nonchalant, but there's like a fatherly aspect to it. Like, there's he's just he's cool. He's fatherly. He's kind of dorky. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a beta, but he's also kind of alpha. He's like all these different things rolled into one. He's he's confident enough, I think, to sort of be a beta, but it comes off as an alpha because there's a confidence with it. Yeah, that's like yeah, he's he, like a he's like a 1960s sitcom dad. Mm-hmm. He's so confident in himself because of years of. NBA assistant coaching, yep. head coaching across the world, G League, Europe, right? Twenty plus years. Yep. But he, but and, and he's he doesn't overcompensate as a as a new NBA head coach by trying to project something that's not there. He's just very naturally confident, and he's like the best compliment I can give Chris Finch. And welcome to the show, by the way, Mackie and Judd, Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. We'll get the statements here and some big news for Finchie. But like he is so comfortable with who he is. He's not like Brad Childress when he first you know, right. took his head coaching job with the Vikings, spent the first year trying to like be a head coach and be a different person. Right. Instead of just being Brad Childress with all your quirks and whatever your natural personality is. Yeah. Finch is just a hundred percent Finch. And it's he's awesome. trying yeah, he's trying to prove nothing. And by by that, the Wolves are proving everything. <laughs> Even though they lost. Get the flag. Because where's the flag, dude? There's the flag. Always have the flag. Always have the flags. All get. I feel like you should. You should. We need to get you like some flag holsters, so you just always have the flags. Like, so I just carry the flag around, like holstered, and then I just take it out. Just just at a restaurant, someone plays "Ode to Joy" on their phone, and boom, he just he's got the flag ready to run. Somebody request the flag. Just show it. Random places. Johnny K reporting this morning with Shams from the Athletic that uh, the Wolves have reached an agreement on a multi-year contract extension for Chris Finch. Now, Doogie's hearing it's a three-year contract with like a one-year, is it a mutual option? Like a one-year tack-on of some kind? Option of some sort. For, yeah. Yep. For. So three-year extension. And uh, and Johnny finishes the tweet by saying, Finch's staff was extended as well after leading a Wolves revival, 46-36, and 36, and the seventh seed in the play-in tournament. The over-under for this team in Caesar's sportsbook, in most sportsbooks, was 34-and-a-half. Now, that was an I – mean, if you follow this team at all at the end of last season and the offseason and, and Chris Finch, like, that was an easy overbet. But 46-and-36, I know what Monty Williams is doing in Phoenix, and that team has gone even further in the regular season with their record. They're, you know, 61 wins. And, uh, and that's a team that's probably the – you know, not probably. They are the favorite to win the championship. 
J.B. Bickerstaff in Cleveland, but I'm going to start us off on Statements Monday here by saying Chris Finch, in addition to getting the contract extension, he should be the NBA Coach of the Year because he is not only fighting against, you know, Wolves mediocrity last year taking over, you know, he's fighting against two decades and maybe even the better part of 30-plus years of Timberwolves embarrassment and inertia. Mm Mm-hmm. And none of it mattered. He turned it all around. I think Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez coming in added a breath of fresh air to this team too. Cat, D'Lo, Anthony Edwards taking steps forward. But for him to to be fighting against decades of irrelevance and embarrassment and turn the whole thing around 46 and 36, all due respect to Monty Williams, to J.B. Bickerstaff, to the new Celtics coach, etc. The Timberwolves are the most improved team in the NBA. This is from Key Sang on Twitter. They finished first in points scored and made threes and top three in steals and blocks. Yep. I mean, find me a better turnaround story in the NBA than what Chris Finch did with the Minnesota Timberwolves this year. The stability that he brought here and to a team that that has a lot of good players, but a lot of of players who in their own way uh, probably are considered or could have been considered uh, volatile, right? Like Carl Anthony Towns, D'Lo. Um, yeah, he. I'm with you. I think he deserves it. I think he's done a fantastic job. They are, and, and again, the thing I love is his style works and he knows it. So it's not like some, you know, I got this job and now I've changed and it's discipline. He is, as far as I can tell, a straight shooting coach who tells you basically what he wants you to hear sometimes it's very positive probably and sometimes it's not it works and i think the testament too is to a man it sounds like the players really like him and admire him and that's a tough line to walk like like he's changing a culture uh and it's i think if you try and change a culture there's a fine line between being effective in doing it and ruffling feathers potentially and chris finch knows what he wants, knows where he felt the finish line was. And I am completely with you, Phil. I think that this guy uh, deserves that because the admiration that I have for any coach who can do what Finch has done with this franchise is very high. Yeah. And again, who was the guy? It's hilarious, man. The guy who, against all NBA protocol in the middle of last season, against all forms of NBA etiquette, mm-hmm. flew Ryan Saunders out for a meaningless road game, fired him, and then had him travel back alone, and then plucked Chris Finch without interviewing any other candidates, no minority candidates, and got absolutely trashed by fellow NBA general managers and owners. Gerson Rosas. The NBA he wanted Finch all of along. the year. Do it. Dude, he, you he wanted Finch two years ago. I know he did. And Glenn did. Taylor Which, wanted Ryan Saunders because he was cheaper. And, oh, let's just, just be a great feel-good well, story, dude. Glenn, get lost, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Gerson, so so when Gerson sat there and and basically said, Ryan's my guy. I'm totally on, on board. And Ryan is a great guy. Like, this is nothing against him. But we all said, no, he's not. What are you talking about? This was his guy. Gerson Rosas. You cowards. You vote. You should vote Gerson Rosas the executive of the year. Have <laughs> the guts. Have the intestinal fortitude. I mean, again, look at look at from Finch on down. Patrick Beverly's his. Huge addition. Like, when you look at what Gerson's done, I'm not joking. Um, from a basketball standpoint, it's been pretty damn near brilliant dude it's i mean if he was just like remotely a better guy behind the scenes he would be celebrated as one of the three best or like whatever i don't know if they named finalists for the executive of the year but like he would be in that conversation if he was just a better guy behind the scenes but alas alas all right it happens statements all right my statement with the playing game against the clippers tuesday night target center Tip-off approximately, a little too late for me, 8.30. Here's my statement. Tuesday is a must-win. So if you want to get the experience, the playoff experience, that I think will be the most valuable for this team, and I'm not saying that they're going to win a round, but I, I am saying I think there is a chance to actually go into a series and and fight a bit, 
win a game, maybe two games. But if you lose to the Clippers and then you win the next play-in game, you are playing Sunday night against the Suns in Phoenix. I think you're just going to be swept. I think you're going to be summarily destroyed. Yeah. If you beat the Clippers, you are going to advance and play Memphis starting on Saturday afternoon. And I would not predict that the Wolves would win that series. But I think that that series potentially gives you a valuable learning tool, which, which by the way, I'm going to assume this team is going to continue to go up the hill and and actually start to, knock on wood, contend. So, that being said, I think the Clippers game becomes a must-win because I don't know if playing the Suns does you a lot of good. I would also add, too, not that it, not that like the perception from people on the outside is the thing that you should be chasing, but if you lose to the Clippers, even if you, well, if you lose to the Clippers, I think it sends you down two bad paths. Number one, you could then lose the second game, in which case, and I don't think, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, I, this team offensively, with everyone on the court, like they're, they're going to beat one of these next two teams. But, like, if you lose to the Clippers, it opens up kind of a, you know, 40% chance in your next game that you could get beat and, sure. and just miss the playoffs altogether, in which case, wah wah, classic Timberwolves, even when they have this pop up season and everyone's lauding them, like they stumble and they can't get out of their own way, right? So that would be like bad path number one. Bad path number two is what you just outlined. You get beat by the Clippers, and even if you win the second game, now you have to face this well-oiled, honed machine that's on a revenge tour looking to win the NBA Finals, and you're just going to be in their way in round one. If you beat the Clippers, two things happen. Number one, you gain the respect of a lot of people around the NBA. You gain the respect of the commentators on Thursday night inside the NBA, the ones that clowned you, Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't even know how many other players besides Towns were on that roster, but Towns was the central figure getting clowned on national television, you know, four years ago. You yep. beat the Clippers with Paul George, you know, mostly back, not fully healthy because Kawhi Leonard, but like that's that's the notch in the respect bin, right? And then you get a shot at Memphis, and Memphis is excellent. And even without John Morant, they were like, you know, what were they winning, like 80 or 90% of their games for a month without, two months without John Morant. Yep. Uh, but but you have a chance to win a couple games, maybe even take that series to six or seven, I think. So the Clippers are the doorman. Beat the Clippers. You gain respect. You gain better experience. And you have an actual chance in the first round to make some noise and do some damage. So... We'll see. Declan? All right. I may have recycled this from uh, from last week or two weeks ago, and we kind of basically knew it was going to be Wolves and Clippers for, for the play-in tournament. And my statement is let's not fear the Clippers. Let's not fear them. The Timberwolves are a better team than the Clippers, not just because their record says so, but Minnesota had the number one offense last season. Nobody scored more points than the Wolves. They're attempting more threes. They have a deeper offense overall. And most importantly, they have a home court advantage. Now, is Paul George potentially the best player on the court in the Clippers and Wolves matchup? Probably. But as fun as this game's going to be, I'm not dreading the fact that they get this Clippers team who now gets Paul George healthy again. And I, th- I think personally the biggest thing with the Wolves in this game is not beating themselves. Like the Wolves find themselves in foul trouble a ton. They had the second most personal fouls this season. Yeah. So they, they have forced teams of the line at an insanely high rate. Um, so that just means Cat has to be cool, calm and collected, D'Lo can't be chucking up bricks. And honestly, Ant Edwards, I'm so fascinated how he reacts in this game, dude. On Thursday when he was going for 50, and which was obviously a meaningless game for the most part, um, I love the energy he brings. And I think if the rest of the team just kind of falls as it, as it does, this Wolves team should beat the Clippers. But that's my statement. Let's not fear the Clippers. The Wolves are the better team. Yeah, I think, okay, to your point about like not beating yourselves, if you're looking at this from the Clippers' perspective... What are you trying to do in this game tomorrow night? It's crazy. It's happening tomorrow night. I think you're trying to get two early fouls on Carl Anthony Towns, aren't you? Yeah. Like you, you know that he has the propensity to come out highly emotional. You know that he's, he, you know, they're, they're hopefully going to make a concerted effort to get him the basketball early on. If I'm the Clippers, I'm trying to bait him into an offensive foul early. I'm trying to bait him into something in the paint and and pick up two fouls in the first four or five minutes. And so if you're Towns, you have to think about this. Don't be passive and stand off in the corner like, you know, in the playoffs a few years ago. But 
I think you have to be mindful of getting through the first quarter with zero or one foul so that you can play 38, 40 minutes in this game. If the Clippers can keep Towns to like 30 to 35 minutes in this game, it's a huge advantage. So that's a that's going to be a really, really interesting chess match in the first quarter is can Towns avoid getting two fouls early or three fouls early in the first half? The X factor, I think, to this game from an emotional um, perspective is Beverly because he he was with them. The Clippers traded him. I think it was to the Grizzlies, and, and then Gerson went and plucked him in a super trade with the Grizzlies. Uh, but uh, my guess is that Patrick Beverly's interest in, in losing to the Clippers is zero. Yep. And so I really am curious. Like, he is... He point. definitely has gears. Like, he definitely has gears. And when the gear goes to about a five, watch out. And I think the gear is going to be at a five. So just from an emotional intensity standpoint of this team being focused, I think that's not going to be a problem. But to Dex's point, and I, I like this, I guess my question is this. In a big game, where is Cat at emotionally right now? Because, you know, that's the problem. When Cat gets emotional, like, it's great. I think it's great to play on the edge. But Cat's problem is he goes yeah. off the cliff too much. So, in this case, in this game, you should walk it up to the edge, but you have to stop there. You know, the other thing about this game is it. if you want to just simplify it and boil it down to one thing or one category, three-point shooting in this game. So, the mm-hmm. Clippers are tied for second in best three-point percentage on the season. The Timberwolves are number one in three pointers made this season. So the Wolves are a little so the Wolves are like twelfth in percentage. Clippers more efficient. They don't take nearly as many threes throughout the regular season. Now that might I'd have to go look, but that might be changing as they get healthy guys back, like Paul George is gonna take some threes. But if if you know, it's more complicated than this, but like if the Wolves don't hit threes in this game, or if the Clippers don't hit threes in this game, like I don't know if either team has enough in other areas. To make up for like the Wolves go eighteen of forty from downtown, the Clippers go ten of thirty one or something. Like it's almost certainly game over. But we're gonna tell you why that's good. Coming up next. <laughs> the Wolves lose, but really that's a positive. Coming up next. Timberwolves take it on the chin tonight, but that's a good thing. We'll explain coming up on Timberwolves Live. Uh, speaking of taking it on the chin, okay, if you're a guy and you are taking it on the chin health-wise, maybe on the weekends you're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting banged up as a weekend warrior basketball player, okay, you can go get screened, checked out, whatever it may be, by the same doctors that check out the pros, the guys that we talk about on a regular basis on this show. Mayo Clinic, downtown Minneapolis, Mayo Clinic Orthopedics and Sports Medicine for injury care, rehab, advice on optimizing performance, Wellness, nutrition, they are accepting patients. Sportsmedicine.mayoclinic.org. It's right across from Target Center, down the street from Target Field. Sportsmedicine.mayoclinic.org. Also, boys, I am uh, I'm excited. So I'm, I'm rocking the Chill Boys long underwear here today, mm-hmm. just in full comfort zone. Naturally. And it occurred to me, like, God, I, I, always, I only have one pair of the long underwear. And I just get kind of sad whenever, like, I wear them, and now, like, they have to go in the hamper, and then I have to wait, you know, because I don't wash clothes every day like Patrick Royce does, which is weird. <laughs> I bought some extra long underwear so I could have multiple pair throughout the week. Very excited. Chill, boys. They are the first, it's the first time that I've ever had a pair of, of long johns that I actually purposely wear. Like, before them, it was, oh, it's cold outside. I'm going to a game, right? I got to wear a pair. Because, you know, let's let's be truthful. It would bunch up. Not comfortable. No, not Chill the, boys, the exact opposite. And I'm not joking. It, it's the exact. It's the first time in my 52 years on this planet that I have welcomed the opportunity to wear long underwear. And that's because of our friends at Chill Boys. It's a blast. Minnesota-based company. Find them online at chillboys.com. Uh, another Wolves one for you here. It's, it's kind of in the same spirit as Declan's <laughs> statement. You know, Declan, you said, you know, essentially believe in the Timberwolves here. They're better than the Clippers. Well, Vegas, here's my statement. Vegas believes in the Timberwolves, and so should everybody else. The Wolves are two-and-a-half-point, sometimes three-point favorites, depending on the sports book that you look at. Right? Mm. Anthony Edwards just dropped 49 points in a game. We know how good Cat is. The Wolves are getting healthier. Jaden McDaniels, 
Chris Finch gets a couple days to to mastermind. So if Vegas is listing the, the Timberwolves as two and a half, maybe three point favorites, depending on the sports book, that's very telling. I actually thought the Clippers, with guys getting back healthy, I thought this might be a pick 'em game or maybe even Clippers by one. But there is still a level of faith from smart people that do this for a living <laughs> that the Timberwolves are the better team here. Very interesting. That's yeah, three points. The home court huh? is going to matter in this one. The place the will be gonna, The crowd's going to bring it. I guess yeah. the crowd. I I didn't go, but I guess for for the Bulls game. It was the crowd was just fantastic. They almost came back and won. Weren't they down yeah. by like twenty five points or something? With uh, with with their backups playing, I think the second half essentially, yeah, pretty much. So yeah. the crowd was great. Mm-hmm. Right. Back to Jed. My statement is this: This is all it takes. All right, Wolves, you are in a play-in tournament. It is made up. This is year two. <laughs> and and you have you have a fan base that is excited and should be this so so for all we talk have talked about Minnesota's not a great basketball state club which is nonsense um but you have put out a product that has been so bad for so long for it the most part that that you are in a play in tournament and I think that there is an excitement a genuine excitement and I think that there should be but this is all it takes. Like if you could put a, if you can consistently put a competitive product on the floor, imagine the opportunity here. Dude, people, people are, will, yeah, people are frothing at the mouth, for, and they're engaged. Like it's yeah. not like oh, it's cool to go, and so I'll just go. They're going. They're standing. They're cheering. They're going nuts. It's fun. I, I, I mean, they play. The Wolves play in a building that, in my opinion, is super crappy. But you know what? The product is is fun now. So people are showing up. Um, and the only way to get a new non-crappy building is to do stuff like this, right? Yeah, win some yes, games, sir. win a playoff series, get people excited, and then you can ask for taxpayer money at some point. But the point being is that this is a good basketball town and a fun town when they have, wait for it, good basketball. Yep, and it's I think it's a team. There's a lot of likable things about this team, right? People love Finch. People love Anthony Edwards. And, yes. His style of play. I think people love the fact that He's fun and flashy, but he's also a hard-working grinder player that's going to go fill in the cracks when he's not scoring. And um, and I think I think people are really taking to like even the Torian Princes and the Jalen Noels and the Jaden McDaniels. Like they just have a lot of interesting personalities, hardworking players. You can tell this team loves playing with each other and playing for the coach. Yes. And so even though the you know game eighty-two against the Nuggets was it a few years ago, that was a fun environment too. But it never felt sustainable. Night. It kind of felt fake, right? It felt like... Well, Jimmy Butler right. wasn't really likable. Mm-hmm. Like Ant is. Pat Bev is. Like, he's he, he's crazy, I think, but who cares? Dude, he's he's likable. Gonna... Um, if, if you have n- not read Chris Hines' story on Ant in, in uh, the Star Tribune on Sunday, do so. It is a marvelous read. It is a great read. He went it to Georgia, make... right? Yes, and it will make you like him more. Like, just about his upbringing and the fact that his dad was not present and his mom and I think grandma died of cancer uh, when he was in high school but I mean this is a great read about just how intelligent smart this kid is it is I love that it, guy yeah Ant is a Ant is a magnet for people he's he's a little bit I think he's got a little bit of like puck to him I think I think yeah, like there's a... that magnetic presence Dex, you should definitely save what I'm about to say for old tweets exposed or old okay. take exposed here. But I think he has a big game personality. I think he's the type of dude, again, clip this and we can play it on Thursday. But I would be pretty shocked if he went like one for 11 in this game or three for 14 or something. I just think I don't think he's going to go out of his way to railroad and, and get outside the system and what they're trying to do. But I just feel like he's the type of dude, his personality, the different ways he can score. He's going to elevate in this game against the Clippers. The thing I really like is is this, and and I don't know. So, Cat does this occasionally, but with Ant, I think it's more plausible. With Ant, he can have three quarters where he looks completely lost and go off. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Cat, and th- this is pr- probably not fair, but I feel like with Cat, if things go wrong, things go wrong, and like he gets upset. He now he has come back at times. But with Ant, he's unfazed. Yeah. 
Now, Kat, and I think the fair thing to say about Cat is this. He's definitely phased. He definitely gets phased. With Ant, it's like, oh, I'm 0 for 5. Now I'm 0 for 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll shoot an 11 time. This is kind of a chance like we've seen in the postseason the last few years. And you know, There's the, the pandemic bubble year, too. But like Donovan Mitchell, I'm thinking like these dynamic wing players that just pop up in the playoffs, right? Uh, you saw it with Donovan Mitchell. You've seen it with Devin Booker. Is this going to be the year for Ant or is it a year too early? You know, he's only 20 years old, but <laughs> it's it's kind of sitting there in front of him. Clippers and then a, a gettable Memphis team. Memphis, too. Like, we can talk more about this if they if they wind up playing Memphis. But John Morant strikes me as a great regular season player that you can bottle up in the playoffs because he's not a great shooter. I think he kind of falls into that, like, Russell Westbrook bin of over 82 games. He's just going to, like, out-hustle and out-energy and out everything you but in a seven game series you can kind of pack it in a little bit more and that's a good team even without John Moran but Mike I would go into that I'm getting way ahead here but like if they can get to if they can get to a Memphis series I'm going to say all right John Moran beat me with your jump shot and see what happens say it say it Mackie say write that down do it (laughs) Uh, not yet you're coward (laughs) all right Let's go uh, Declan. All right. Statements. One more uh, Wolf statement for me. It's going to be, if you don't make it through this play-in tournament, it's just going to be such a sour taste for me. Um, 46 wins this season is great. In fact, I think this is only the second time they've won at least 46 games in like the last 18, 19 years. So our bar for success with the Wolves is obviously pretty low. So 46 wins, they're 10 games above 500 in the regular season. That's great. Um, but if you lose... These back-to-back games in, in, in a do-or-die situation, and you're watching these playoffs from home. I just I have a hard time calling it a successful season. Um, and and I get that there is a big strides this year. Chris Finch deserves Coach of the Year votes. There's no doubt. But um, and there's been a ton of bright spots on the Wolves that you can build off of. But if you get bounced in these two games, that's just going to stink for me. I want to see this team in the playoffs. And look, it, there's so many things that you can say that success. Like, oh, you're just going to not credit the 46 wins and the, and the strides players took in the regular season just because they don't win these one or two games, but I'm not calling it a success, really, until you get past this play-in tournament. So, so here's what's happening, and I listen, I feel the same level of, like, it's a low level of anxiety here that you feel. It's because your generation and my generation don't know anything different. I was six years old, and I don't even really remember when the Minnesota Twins won a World Series. You weren't even born yet. So for you and I, I was born mid-80s, you were born early 90s. All we know is heartbreak and disappointment. And we're always thinking about and planning for, wow, the Twins, man. Look at that lineup. But <laughs> could they get, is there a chance they could get swept here? And they do. 118. All right, boy, is there a chance that, you know, the Vikings could uh, really lose this game to such and such in the playoffs? Or ever? Like, we're all, like, we're, we don't have any other reference points beyond guarding against the horrible thing that could happen. So I'm fine talking about it. Listen, let's be open about it. This is if, if if you're 35 years old or younger and a Minnesota sports fan, you don't know anything other than the Timberwolves getting beat in these two playing games, right? Like that's that's a very distinct possibility. But there's all kinds of other fan bases and markets: Boston, New York, you know, Chicago. I think Miami. Like, is there any, is Miami thinking to themselves, "Oh my God, we <laughs> might have to play the Nets in the first round"? They're saying, "No, we'd love to play the Nets in the first right. round. Bring those clowns on. Let's bounce them out of the first round." Because they've got this sort of sports swag that we don't have. So we need to develop sports swag. Timberwolves, go beat the Clippers and fill our cup with a little bit of sports swag. That's what I'm asking. Expectations. For. Expectations. Mm-hmm. We, we don't, our problem is we are always, it, it feels like, trying to find excuses for like why, why a team won't win, right? Like, oh, you can't expect because we that. don't know anything else. I literally, we, don't know, we don't know any differently. I literally, I, so I tweeted just as an example of exactly this. After the Twins lost and scored a run in the opener on Friday, I tweeted the bats are going to have to do more. And then I think I tweeted what the top three guys did, which was like two for something or one for something. I got a note back from, and this is this is us. I got a note back saying, LOL, they were facing the guy that won the Cy Young last year, Judd. What are they supposed to do? Uh, light yeah, them up. I was yeah, like, hit him. you got two of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah, light them up. Yeah, I, but, I but I mean, who cares? But like, we, but like game so one. You, so it, you're just like, oh, well then, oh, I guess, okay, why even play? Why even play? 
no no expectations you're exactly right how can you how can we be expected to succeed it's not fair <laughs> robbie ray shouldn't have been allowed to start but that's where we are yeah. mindset wise like like that's what our show is trying to get past because we've almost sort of like embraced this well what are we supposed to do they started robbie ray like i mean when they do that we can't do anything about it yeah um, no obviously it was like the fir- first game of the season and sure. like you're gonna have bad games but yeah I, like you shouldn't just concede oh they're starting robbie right. Ray, so i guess we're screwed you have carlos yeah. correa you got That's byron it. freaking buxton Exactly, and we're just like, well, no, 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 that game doesn't count. No, that cool. game doesn't count. Let's actually let's let's get into some twins let's here. It. Let's do it. So part part two of statements here, uh, Mackie and Jed. All right, and by the way, I have a buffoon of the week for you guys too to, to, toward the back half of this. But Judd, why don't you start us off here with it? So Twins they get a fourth game against the Mariners, but they're they're one and two to start the season. They, the bats finally woke up yesterday, so lead us off with the twin statement. All right, leading off, I'm going to give you this one: bat and play. Buck is back. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. I don't know if you saw the the Ruthian clouts that I did, uh, but the home run that Buck hit on Saturday late in that game, which, by the way, should have won the game if, well, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you. Third deck. But I'm trying to make a statement here. I'm trying to make a statement. So hold back, Judd. Hold back, Judd. Calm. Sports dad has, sports dad has to calm down. Don't be a victim. Don't be a victim of going off on a tangent. Um, third deck, Saturday. Dude. Home runs on two of them, Sunday. Ridiculous. Um, this guy's bad. I, I mean, this is why I say as a sports fan, as a sports fan, I am starved for him to stay healthy. The bat speed? Um, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Dude, these people I, who are like, you can't give him a hundred million dollars. No, you you can't. You should give it. You should actually go back to him after this weekend and be like, here's fifty million more. I'll you are ridiculous. I'll Please stay healthy. Take the wheelbarrow <laughs> and roll it to his house. Um, it is incredible. But anyway, this is the whole point about. Can you guys imagine how much fun if he can stay healthy? And that's that's the asterisk. That's the big thing. But if he can do that. Like what we saw uh, Saturday and Sunday is what he can do now. I, I mean, that's not a fluke. That's not like two games where, oh, oh, Judd, just uh, hold your expectations down. He's incredible. He is a walking, talking MVP <laughs> if he keeps his health. And I want to celebrate. Like the, gr- the greatness that we are seeing right now between Kaprizov Justin Jefferson, Byron Buxton, Ant possibly, Cat, um, is so off the charts and so much fun. But my God, Byron Buxton, dude, it's incredible. So, okay. All right, I'm going I'm to piggyback here. All right, I'm going to piggyback. Whoever invented that phrase, but I'm just going to piggyback off your point there. It's like, okay, you're, you're going to hop on my back. and I, it's just, yeah, it's gonna my back. I'm going to piggyback off Judd's point here. My statement is... If Byron Buxton plays 140 games, he will be the American League MVP. And if you look at, and I get this is a huge if, okay, you might be able to lower that number from 140, okay? His last 103 games dating back to the beginning of the pandemic year, so the the, the 2020 season, (laughs) he has a 634 slugging percentage. He has 35 home runs in 103 games, a 634 slugging percentage. For context, Harmon Killebrew, the greatest power hitter in Minnesota Twins history, had a 509 career slugging percentage. So again, this is just a 100-game sample. This is like 100 games over his age 26, 27, 28 season. So emerging into his prime. And his slugging percentage is a hundred, almost a hundred fifty points higher than the greatest power hitter in Twins history. Nuts. <laughs> just, it's just please, like, nuts. I hope he just like just avoid fences, <laughs> go home in some sort of padded like. You, you shouldn't be driving. Like, just just get home safely. Go to bed. Come to the ballpark. Like, please stay well, healthy for 130, 140 games. And it feels like in the past year or two now, it's been fluky stuff, right? Like he comes back, like like he he'll get hit by a pitch, 
And mo- most guys would have a, a deep bruise. They're out for three days. Buck has a broken something, and yeah. he's out for a, a month. Um, so, I mean, just give just give me, as a sports fan, as a baseball fan, just give me a year, give me 150, and let me see it. Because it's incredible. The other thing, too, is he only, you know, you, you, you watch him, you go, God, he strikes out a lot. He really doesn't relative to, you know, other power hitters in today's game. You know, he only has 102 strikeouts in those 103 games. So you want to talk about strikeout rates. Like Miguel Sano strikes out twice a game on average. And so for as big a power as he has, he doesn't strike out that much. Mackey had to go there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Typical Mackey. Like we couldn't have a nice conversation. You had to bring up Sano. When, when's Cousins? Come on, bring on Cousins next. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you stick to the cousin drip. I've come around on cousins, as we'll talk about on Purple Daily today. Okay, I am I am I think I'm gonna put in my application to be a cousins crusader after today's Purple Daily episode. Oh, okay, gonna be great. Okay, all right, Dex. I gotta be very statement. careful with the way I say this statement, but it's back on the Byron Buxton front too. It's Buck, yeah, Byron Buxton, and this is why you signed that long term deal. This is why you paid the man his money, and when he's healthy. We're seeing it right now. He's a top five Pay player in baseball. Man, his money. His money. Um, and when you have him on the top of the lineup with Correa protecting him, that's a, as a lethal combination in a lineup that you're going to see in baseball. It's like the best that the Twins have probably had since like the Mauer and Morneau days in like 10, 15 years ago. Um, and we just talked about his crazy power numbers. And yeah, I mean, he strikes out at least once a game. I think what's crazier is he's walked just 15 times in the last 103 yeah. games. And I don't. That's not to suggest he has a bad eye at the plate because he doesn't have a bad eye at the plate. But I think he has matured enough as a hitter to know if, if you're going to throw me a cookie or a fastball center cut, I'm not going to be just waiting for the next perfect pitch. I am going to hammer that pitch. So the fact, yep. even though he hasn't drawn a ton of walks, like oh, there could be some alarmingness there, right? Like he doesn't walk a ton. He's a free swinger. The way he's attacking baseballs and the way he's matured as a hitter. I think is, is a much more telling sign and wouldn't be too much of a sign of concern just because he isn't walking a lot. If he's hitting all those home runs and he has this true power dude and plays elite defense, I'm not really concerned that he isn't walking a ton. No, I think that's, yeah. that's a great point because of this. When, when he struggled, when 87 people were saying, hey, Buck, do Leg this. Kick. No, do that. Leg kick it, right? He tried to work counts and he struck out. Yeah. And, and Dex, you're exactly right. Um, there are guys that love to work counts. I mean, Maurer was fantastic. You know, strike one. Oh, okay, cool. Strike he, two, yeah, even yeah. better. He was like inviting strike one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Byron, Byron, to Dex's point, in my opinion, is saying, bleep that. If you're going to throw me a pitch I can hit, I'm not going to, like, work the count. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, I really think the seismic change in Buxton as a player came about three years back when he finally said i'm done listening to everybody like i'll listen to one person but i've got but i now have an idea and from that that day on and it's just gone uphill since then and he's approved but from that day on it changed him drastically because he got confidence i love that he goes hunting on the first pitch so how about this so he's one for one swinging at the first pitch with a with a home run this season. I think it was the I think it was the go ahead two run shot. I think that was the first pitch. Last season, Byron Buxton when swinging at the first pitch. So he swung at the first pitch forty six times last season. Mm-hmm. He batted five thirty five. Good lord, with fifteen extra base hits in those forty six swings on yeah. the first pitch. Now, does that mean he should swing at the first pitch all the time? No. I mean, and that also includes getting hit by the first pitch three times. So, so technically, he swung 43 times yeah, at the first pitch. 43 swings, 23 hits on 43 first pitch swings. So when and I and I'm sh- I'm sure there's different times where he might be looking off speed fastball, but like, yeah. if he goes up there knowing what he's looking for, all right, I'm going to look for a if it's first pitch fastball up. I'm green light. He is a badass. 535 last season when swinging at the first pitch. Dude, Think the about bat, that. The bat speed, too. The bat speed is incredible. That bat gets around so quick now. Oh, my God. So ridiculous. You know, he's almost as quick as a motorcycle at Dennis Kirk. Okay, I'd love to yeah. see that race, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go DK there. 
I mean, well, I think I think I think Buxton can get up pretty quick. But if you if you like to ride, you know, baseball season means riding season, and uh, they got what you need at Dennis Kirk. They're also huge supporters of us here at Score North, Mackie and Judd, Purple Daily. But uh, if you like to ride, there's over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Same day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Zero percent financing for 12 months as well on new bikes. So check them out. They ship today. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. Also, uh, I don't know, Declan, how you couldn't get nostalgic and emotional and excited about golf watching what we saw at the Masters this weekend. Scotty Scheffler emerging. Tiger made it through four rounds. Great time. Yeah, it was. I uh, actually I played my first round of the year last uh, yesterday on Sunday, and uh, honestly, front nine fifty one for Dex, which honestly for the first round of the year I will take fifty one on the front nine after not swinging for six months. I was like, you know what? That was a pretty. That, that's one of the better rounds I've strung together, whether it's six months off or six months on. Back I think nine. Tiger shot a fifty one on the back on Saturday. Actually, is yeah. So there you go. I'm just as good as Tiger Woods, basically. Um, the back nine. I'm not going to discuss what happened on holes ten and eleven on the back nine, but I will say. What I will be doing this summer is going to the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Uh, and what you can do, too, is get the frequent player card, which enjoys discounted rates and merchandise and a three-week advance to book a tee time. You know, it's one of the nicer courses in all of Minnesota. So if you get this frequent player card, this gives you access to book out your tee time three weeks in advance and 20% off in-stock grips for a limited time. Uh, go check them out. They also have a great patio to just sit there and watch some beautiful golf and enjoy a beautiful summer day. It's the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Yes, damn right it is. All right, back to Judd. Statements. All right, I'll continue on the Twins theme and tell you this. My statement is, this is going to be a treat. <laughs> now, what am I talking about? The Twins as a whole? Judd, what? Judd, are you crazy? No. Carlos Correa. Yeah, dude. Perhaps the best baseball booty call of all time and make no mistake <laughs> wow. that's what this is a one year booty calls scott yes. boris called and said you, you guys up and the twins are like hell yeah we're up come on over carlos correa um here's the weird thing though so so um hit his first home run on sunday another third deck shot which by the way i mean that is a shot two third deck shots by twins players in, in two days with buxton and correa but i'm not talking about him at the plate. That's going to be fun. I'm talking about him at shortstop. I'm talking about him in the field. You can pick he it. has made he has made it. the plays that we thought Andrelton Simmons would consistently. Um, he's made those plays in the first three games. Uh, he made a great diving stab, or a jumping stab on Friday. A diving stab on fr- Friday. But I want to talk about the one that stands out to me. His work on the relay from Kirilov uh, to cut down the run at home plate was phenomenal. Like, go back and watch that. That is that is a platinum gold glove shortstop. Watching this guy play short, which is an incredibly tough position. Like, it takes talent. It takes a lot of things. It takes smarts. Uh, Carlos Correa, this is going to be a treat to watch you play short. And if you are a, I don't know, if you are a Dodger in 2020, um, uh, two or three, if you are anywhere else, that's too bad. But for one summer, I'm going to make damn sure I enjoy this. And you know what? Here, I'll piggyback again off Judd here. I'm just going to keep piggybacking Mm -hmm. off you. Mm -hmm. Okay. If... uh... If he only stays for one year, listen, I would probably still trade Royce Lewis for a lights-out arm that can help this year. But based on the way Royce Lewis has started so far at AAA for the Saints, the Twins are going to be just fine at shortstop in 2023, regardless of whether it's Carlos Correa or Royce Lewis. I like where you're going. He already has multiple extra base hits. He's hitting like 350 or 400 through the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. Saw him make a couple great plays at shortstop. So the Twins are in very good hands at the most important positions on the diamond, center field and shortstop, for the next two-plus years. The Saints are mashing right now, too. Oh, yeah. The Saints are off to a hot start. Love it. Yeah, they got some dudes down there, for sure. All right, back to Declan. Uh, my statement is the energy at Target Field is phenomenal. I was there on opening day, and obviously, you know, there's the lure of opening day, right? The smell of brats and... 
and beers and my 15% off beers. Humble brag with being a season ticket holder. I got this nice new hat, too, over the weekend from the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. I like I love these hats. It's like the trucker-style fitted hat. I'm a big fan. Ooh, that Declan is here. Nice. I'd wear that hat for years. Yeah. That's twin style. I, I know really those like players it. were wearing the trucker style hats in spring training, yeah. and the bald ones, like me, yeah. were like, they're like their heads were getting sunburned. Yeah, yeah you got to Because the mesh there. doesn't protect you if you have a shaved head. This is true. When you have a glorious head Some of hair man. like mine, though, it just covers your entire mop. So you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, yeah, you're fine there. But in the bottom of the ninth there, in the loss on opening day, unfortunately, to Seattle, with Gary Sanchez at the plate and the entire stadium. I don't know if you guys could hear it, but I mean, just erupting with Gary. 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 I was there. It was yeah. awesome, dude. I miss that type of energy at Target Field. We really haven't had a whole lot of that um, in, in the history of Target Field. And just to have that type of vibe and energy from from the Twins faithful. And again, it's opening day, so it's a little bit more um, pop takes and a, circumstance. It takes a Yankees player to make that happen. Damn right. Way. And then it takes the Yankees to... Uh, it, it takes the Twins to help the Yankees get an opening day win with uh, Josh Donaldson driving in Connor Falefa for the winning run, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Neither here nor there. The no. energy at Target Field is palpable this season, and I'm excited to see where yep. it goes. Is yeah, Connor Falefa a twin? Can we count Connor Falefa really, as a twin? Didn't he show he up at spring training? Like didn't, didn't, I think yeah, he, he did like a one day. Hey! And I think they, they lost his car. Did I, he have I, a spring I, training I like at bat? No. He, he didn't, right? He got traded the next day, didn't he? Okay. I think our friend. I think he came in. Said hi to Rocco, and they traded him like hours. They, they gave him this like the social media treatment too. Like the twins yeah. got a shortstop. Oh, here he yeah. is. Well, like, they, oh, actually, Carlos Correa is available. We got to clear some money. See yeah. ya. By Again, the way, the booty call. Are you guys up on the yeah. social media front? Did you guys see Big Cat from Barstool clowning the Twins' Twitter account last night? No. Oh no. So apparently, the Twins' Twitter account is not putting out graphics when they lose. They're only putting out like the final score graphic. Like, hey, final score graphic. The Twins won today. They're not doing that when they lose. And Big Cat's been clowning them and saying, hashtag justice for Seattle after their first two wins. And even is now, <laughs> now like has a running tally. Like they put out, the Twins put out like all the home runs they hit yesterday. You know, Bucks and the Grand Slam and Kepler's. And Big Cat quote tweets it, loss is not tweeted. Twins, two. So I, I, it's probably some bit at Barstool. <laughs> but Big Cat also clowning the uh, Twins social media front Wait, last so night as well. Is the- is that where we're at with state-run media now? We're not even acknowledging that uh, that, it, that two games happened. Is this like, new? Like, have, have the Twins not? Uh, I thought they put out losing. The when they lose, no, they, I think they. I, I don't think know if they, they put have. out a graphic. They they usually put out like, hey, just like loss, you know, Twins seven, gotcha. you know, okay. Indians ten or whatever. But like, he even quoted the last one saying, "Post the final score from the losses, you cowards." Hashtag justice for <laughs> Seattle, and your count is hereby cursed, Twins. Which then a bunch of Twins fans chiming in, be like, "Oh, don't worry, dude, we've lost eighteen consecutive playoff games." The Twitter account is the least of our. Coming up next, the, the Twins look to start the season two and zero oh in the series finale against the Seattle Mariners. That's how I would start the pregame show. The Twins, Twins, their season debut, a 1-0 start against the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> what the yep. first two games? Yep, the Twins are 1-0 in Sunday games. We'll break down what they do right on Sundays coming up next. <laughs> Oh man! All right, I, all right. My next statement is: let me let me jump in here real quick, and because we kind of alluded to it, but no one kills a buzz quite like the Minnesota Twins. When Byron Buxton hit that bomb in the eighth inning on Saturday, what a freaking moment! Like, and he's he's done stuff like that a few times over the last few years, and you know, Gleeman actually has a piece in the Athletic today that outlines the times where Buxton's been a hero, and then the team kicks it back. And I don't know about you guys, but it was kind of a first guess for me with Tyler Duffy in a spot like that, especially the way that like Duran was just, as Gardy would say, throwing the living fire out of the ball a couple <laughs> days ago. I think Duffy is like my fourth or fifth choice to put in a one-run ninth-inning save situation. Like, you're going to use him in high-leverage spots because he is one of your better relievers, but right, but he's not. A, yeah, but not, he's not just like never been in that role before. Right, and you got a couple guys on the team who have been in that role before, like even Joe Smith, who's you know, a couple years past well, his Pag- prime. Well, Pagan, Pagan closed twenty games for the Rays. He saved twenty games for the yeah. Rays, so that was what surprised me. Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, that was less than exciting to watch him melt down there. Yeah, and I get that you're also not trying to run guys back to back days in certain spots early in the season. Guys aren't as stretched out, so. Listen, I'll, I'll give them a chance. I just don't think Tyler Duffy should be the closer. Like, do bullpen by committee at the very least. Do not just make him the closer 
Did I see also somewhere that he's blown like nine of his 14 save chances in his career or something like that? I saw that tweet. I don't. I didn't look up if that was accurate, but I saw the same thing. And some of those could be like if you come in the game in the seventh or the eighth inning with a lead and blow it, yeah. it is a blown save, even though you're not coming in to close the game. If it's in the yep. last three innings and you have a three-run lead or less and you blow it. But if he's – I don't know. I just – I don't think he should be penciled in as the closer here. And it was a first guess, but now that we've seen it, let's – Try somebody else. I think it's safe to say this. After what we saw on Friday from Duran, I know that the closer mentality has changed. Like, it's not, well, you know, you can't pitch till the knife now, kid. Um, But in my opinion, with Duran's stuff, you have to use him in fireman situations only. Like, I don't want to see him. And and this whole thing, so what's weird, too, is like they've – basically talked about the fact that he's going to pitch a lot of times, and he did on Friday, two innings at a time. Um, But if that's going to stop you from pitching, like, the next day or for two days, don't pitch him, too. Like, this guy, that stuff, he came in and gave up back-to-back hits, a wild pitch. It looked like, oh, my God, here we go. This is bad. And literally, I don't remember the last Twins pitcher that I saw who, who then said, okay, I'm good now. And blew hitters yeah. away. They yeah. didn't have a chance. Yeah, it was it was filthy. It was filthy. It was fun. I don't know in terms of like his his arm stamina too. Like I think he's probably a reliever long term. I think sure. you're, you're hoping to make him sort of your Josh Hader type, where you can you can throw him for like <laughs> ninety or hundred innings as a reliever. And I, we have to go back and look. Who are some of the guys that? Are, are more stretched out as relievers, like those 90, 9,500 inning guys. Josh Hader is, a, is an example. And when they throw two innings in a game or an inning in two, if they have to come back for a second inning, like inning in two-thirds, how often are they available the next day? Because you, know, you don't want to – he's had some arm trouble, so you I'm don't want to go much, crazy. But I'm cool with that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you. Like He's probably your best reliever if he can throw stuff like that and be honed. He's got the best yeah. stuff, right? So then the question is, do you save him for save situations or do you use him as your firefighter? And the Twins last year used Taylor Rogers as the firefighter. He was their best reliever, and so they, they used him as the firefighter. He had like nine saves, but he was mostly pitching like seventh, eighth tie games and stuff. I love that term. Firefighter? firefighter. It's a good one. Firefighter is one of the great terms. It's back now, too, because it, it was big in, I think, the 70s, yeah. died out, and now it's back, and it's a great term. Because I feel like... You know, the save was invented, you know, 40 years ago, whenever it was. And and managers have misused. They've, they've put the best reliever in a situation where they sometimes don't use him because, well, there's no save situation. Yeah, but you were down 2-1 to one in the seventh, and some other reliever gave up three runs. Like, you, you could have won the game if you would have brought your firefighter in. So I'm glad teams are sort of realizing that. All right. Who are we on here? Statements. We had Declan. You're back uh, to no, me. No, it's on me. No, it's on Judd. Okay. So- on me okay. i'm out oh wow i'm we, done we have we haven't done a lot of good statements here i mean twins wise twins wise I'm done now. Okay. oh i thought that was your statement i thought you were saying I, you're I, done that you're, you're out. out on something too oh oh oh, oh you're oh you're just no, like you have you have I'm no more content left to give here. i'm okay. done with twins well i've got a wild one but if, sure, if we're still on twins i don't no, I'm good. i didn't want to jump in my line. my next thing is buffoon of the week so when it comes oh, back okay. when Jacqueline? it comes back to me i'll give you the buffoon no i'm good on the twins no i'm good on the twins okay yep go ahead okay well then i will i will proceed with a wild statement what a comeback yesterday the wild and i'm not joking and dex and i broke this down in depth on Judd's Hockey Show, sponsored by our friends at Surly last night. But the Wild goes down within the first, I believe, 10-17 of the first period, three rip, and they look terrible, Phil Mackey. They look awful. They look lost. They look they look so bad that during a series um, midway through the first period or a shift that the Kings were toying with them, controlling the puck in their zone. The Wild couldn't get the puck. It got so bad that the fans started to boo, like the fans were, and and rightfully so. Moments after that, Mets Zuccarello draws a penalty for tripping on the Kings goaltender. Moments after that, Kirill Kaprizov scores a power play goal to make it th- uh, 3-1, to one. and after that, the Wild does not look back. Six unanswered goals, and the, the win was in some ways perfect because they came back, they played great, but they played so bad 
early in that game that from a film standpoint and coaching standpoint, Dino's going to have a lot to show them post-game. Love those types of games. Dino was upset. You pick up the W, but you also pick up a bunch of learning and coaching lessons. And it's near the playoffs, right? So then it's like, boys, you got to sit down and and you did not earn that game. You played great for a long period, but your first uh, basically 11 minutes of that game was feeble. So what a comeback, because it serves two purposes. It gets you two points, which is fantastic, but it also, with with the playoffs now 11 games away, is a big-time learning tool because there was a ton of things. As Dean said post-game, we did, for the first part of that game, nothing well. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, The hockey whisperer will actually grace you with his presence. And uh, the statement is quite simple. One more. One more goal for Kirill Kaprizov to set the wild franchise record. He's currently tied after that goal you mentioned last night with Marion Gabryk at 42. And the Wild has plenty of games left on the schedule. He already has the points record. That was his 89th point that he tallied last night. He's six ahead of Marion Gabryk. And uh, if he gets one more goal at some point this season, which feels likely... He will be the greatest single-season scorer in Wild history. Get the flag. Wave the flag. Wave the flag. That's right. Damn straight. 43. What a freaking season you know what, for though? that guy. He's Don't really good at there. hockey. 11 games left. Don't stop there. Uh-oh. Is He's he going to hang a 50-burger? A 50-burger. 50-burger. A 50-burger. I forgot Eric Eric Stahl scored 42 goals in 2017-18. Yeah, yep, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Damn. In some ways it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Heck of a run for him. Yeah, not I don't know why you're, all, you're always down on these veteran players. Get 50. That all they do Get is score 50, 42 goals. the first player in franchise history. The first player since Brian Bellows for the North Stars to get 50 for a Minnesota-based NHL team. Yeah, and how many? I, so is Bellows the only one to get 50? Cicerelli did it twice. Okay, and that's an, that's like the glory days of and that was yes scoring that was the glory days of scoring. The average Absolutely. game was like nine to six or something <laughs> in the NHL back in the day. So Go- yeah. goalies were just like, yeah, I'm good on that. Yeah. You know, twice and Bellows once. Three players from 1967 to the time that they left in '93. I think Madonna did it in Dallas right after they got to Dallas. Yeah. But you know what? That doesn't count. Yeah. Right, counting Dallas. Make it happen here. All right, it's time now for the Buffoon of the Week on Mackie and Judd, presented by our friends who aren't buffoons at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help elevate your business, protect against unforeseen risk. They've been around for over 100 years, big supporters of Score North, Mackie and Judd. So if you're a business owner, give them a try. Talk to the smart people, federatedinsurance.com. Remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, saw this statistic from Warren Sharp, NFL analytics writer and uh, Twitter personality. The buffoon of the week is Mike Zimmer. Get this. Mm. Oh, it's like he's been fired for like two or three months. You know, why, are we, why are we still putting dirt on Mike Zimmer? Because this stat came out. The Vikings allowed touchdowns on 32% of opponent drives in the final four minutes before halftime or the end of the game last season. Worst in the NFL. So one-third of opponent drives, 17 games last year, final four minutes before halftime or the end of the game, resulted in a touchdown. Not a score, not getting into field goal range, a touchdown. The NFL average, so the Vikings were 32% touchdown rate defensively. The NFL average was 12%. God. The next worst team was 20%. So again, Vikings 32%. Next worst team, 20%. Average, 12%. Not only did the Vikings rank 32nd in the NFL last season, they ranked dead last out of 700 teams since at least 2,000 in touchdown rate given up in the final four minutes of halves. Mike Zimmer, you are the buffoon of the week. Barf, dude. Poor Zim. Poor Zim. Yeah, that was. I saw that stat. That is It's so bad. Alarming is not strong enough term for it. Well, that's almost like grounds the, to get you fired. The, fee, the feeble, well, 
Yeah, but but you know what, too? All of that, though, so, like, everything about, well, the Vikings lost all these close games. I mean, they almost made the playoffs as if they could have won a, a championship. Flat out, this was not a well-coached team, and it was not that good of a team. They, they had an offense that was fun, mm-hmm. but, like, the entire team, the stew, was not good. I think there's... There's three factors. I'll bring this up on Purple Daily, too. We can maybe dive into it more. But, like, there's three factors for this. Number one, the defense was clearly terrible situationally, and we, we all saw that last year. They were just yeah. disorganized. I mean, the Jared Goff touchdown pass. Like, what are you, what's Cam Dantzler doing on that play? Right. Why are you— Well, you and know? the Lions' comeback at, at U.S. Bank Stadium yeah. yes. was another indictment. Yeah, so just, you know, chaos, disorganization. Factor number two— the Vikings played an historic amount of close games, right? Like the Vikings were every game was close, so it it wasn't like the defense had many situations, and some of it was self inflicted because the defense, you know, had a hard time shutting opponents down. Also, like the offense sputtered for different parts, but three three and outs, yes, yep. So whoever's fault it was, like the Vikings were in all these close games where the opponents are clawing to score touchdowns late to take a lead or right. to ice a game or whatever. It wasn't like all right, guys, we're up by three touchdowns, and now we can just sort of pin our ears back and force the, the opposing team to, you know, to throw a dumb interception. And then number three is, and you know, this is what people don't want to hear. How are you going to blame this on Cousins? Who are these? The Vikings' downfall the last two years is multi-pronged. We do criticize the offense and Cousins probably disproportionately because nobody else is. The Vikings were 14th in points per game despite having all of these weapons and all of the stats that the quarterback puts up, right? Right. If the offense had maximized itself more, the defense is put in situations where maybe it's not a two-point game. Maybe it's a two-touchdown game, and they can then get after the opposing quarterbacks, right? Yes. It's harder for the defense to operate in close games because the opposing team is hell-bent on scoring that comeback touchdown or icing the game, right? So and all sorts of factors involved. As was pointed, off, pointed out on Twitter off that sharp tweet, and it's a good point. So the defense wasn't good. So I believe the offense led the entire league in in three and outs. Yeah. So what's a good idea? Our defense isn't good. Let's give let's put them back on the field as quickly as possible. Yeah. So like that, but that's the whole thing is is when we talk about all these close games, just a play here or a play there. But when you peel back all of those statistics, right? You, you get a reason. Like it's not like, well. A lot of close losses, total flukes. We we look at the Cardinals game and just say that's just the that's exactly what happened all year long. Just a key, you know, Greg Joseph missed yeah. that kick. Okay, that's one game. But if you look at, at the fact that you had a defense that was aging out or in some ways just not good, and you were literally taking a high powered offense and going three and out more than any other team yeah. and turning the defense and saying, hey, can you stop them again? That's why you lose a ton of close games. Yep. So very interesting. Very interesting. But, uh, yeah, Mike Zimmer, congratulations. You are the buffoon of the week Mike, here. I'd like to, I'm sorry, Mike. I'd like to apologize to your mom. Poor guy. <laughs> uh, tomorrow night we are going to have a special Mackie and Judd Timberwolves vent line reaction show after that game against the Clippers. I am so excited. Me too. My God. If you've been you paying to, your dues as a Timberwolves fan – Shall no, I? Nope. Nope. No. Oh, you don't want it? Let's not. Oh, oh. No. We did the flag. We oh, did the flag. Hold on. Hold on. No, let's, let's save know, the flag. Let's save the know, flag. I feel like. <laughs> no, that's fine with me. I, I don't let's care. Let's save the flag. I feel like with Phil, I'm very curious to see your emotional reaction either way tomorrow night. I feel like right now you're trying to play. You're trying to play the cool game. Let's just. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, Dex I'm like is Scotty excited. Scheffler, man. I'm cool, calm, and collected on the outside, mm-hmm. but I'm a disaster. But Dex isn't invested. Dex and I aren't invested in this team. I used like to sit front row, media row when the, when like hockey. this is like two thousand. This is after KG got traded. When the Timberwolves had like Marcus Banks and Sebastian Telfair and Rashad and McCants, yeah. all these guys, Shotty. Uh, who was that one? Marco Yarich, who they brought back for like a, an alumni appearance last week. Like I used to go to all of those Timberwolves games in like 2007, 8, 2009, saying, you know what? Johnny Flynn, uh, Randy Foy, I'm going to pay my dues 
because when this team pops back up in a in a couple years, I'll be here. I'm going to be here for it. And now you're in Seattle. A couple years turned into 2017. That was fun. And yeah, now I'm now I don't even live there. But and now you don't live here. But but still, <laughs> but I'm glued. I am glued. And I'm I just, ready I'm for tomorrow night. Very curious to see the the highs and lows of Timberwolves superfan Phil Mackey. Well, we'll see what happens. Get tomorrow. your program out. Subscribe to the, if you aren't already, we'll be live on the uh, Score North YouTube channel tomorrow. So if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and click. We are over 40,000 subscribers between Purple Daily and the Score North channel. So thanks to all of you guys for uh, helping us build this community. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Mackie and Judd. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.